Howdy, howdy, and thanks for tuning in to episode 81 of the Eyes Free Sports Podcast. This is your host, Greg Lindbergh. Here on episode 81, we are chatting with a longtime beat baseball player, and uh, he has just an amazing story about uh, his childhood as far as his early roots and uh, how he overcame so much adversity as a youngster, um, actually in Ethiopia and then moving to the U.S. and just that whole transition and adjustment, and I think you'll find it uh, pretty inspiring. So let's go ahead and hit the beat baseball field now and get swinging with episode 81. All right, so joining me here on this episode of the podcast is Ethan Johnston. And uh, Ethan is a longtime beat baseball player and adaptive athlete and also has just a really just fascinating story. Really excited to introduce Ethan to the podcast. Ethan, welcome to Eyes Free Sports. Thank you. Appreciate it. Appreciate the opportunity to be here. I know I heard uh, a lot of the people athletes be on here, so it's a, it's an honor being here. Absolutely. Yep. And I always love you know connecting with fellow beatballers. So great to to chat about beatball and just a lot of other stuff as well here. For sure. So let's just start like I like to do with most of my guests, kind of from the beginning. Uh, your you know your your early years, your formative years. I know you kind of have a very unique uh, path when it comes to your childhood. Yeah, for sure. Um, I'm originally from Ethiopia, uh, northeast. And Mesa Gorgis Gojam. I'm uh, I'm proud proud of it. Small village. Uh, Nesa is the village. Gojam is kind of like the region or the state, like. I would say it's kind of like Texas is like good jump. And then within that, there's different cities and mine is a village. And I don't know, I would probably maybe a thousand people if we're lucky in that village. Um, oh, wow. Yep. And everybody's farming and, you know, uh, on their own crops and eating off of their own, their own field, living in a glass house, no electricity, no Americanized toilet. You go outside in the little grass house area with a six feet deep hole and you aim your butt out there and do your thing. <laughs> <laughs> and if it's in the wow. nighttime, you better be careful because you could be a snack for a hyena. So, um, right. Right. You know. So yeah, that's kind of, mm-hmm. and then obviously, you know, uh, unfortunately I was, you know, stolen from my biological parents and taken to this capital city and uh, blinded to be used as a beggar. I don't know. I'm, I'm sure some people, most people saw the movie Slumdog Millionaire and that's kind of similar to the situation. So the more disabled you are, the more money you make and the money you make, it's not for you. It's for the people that disabled you. And so in my case, obviously the people that blinded me stayed in the wooded area in the capital city. And they had other teenagers guide us around the city, uh, begging for change. And they never fed us. If we ever ate, it was from people that were selling, say, fresh baked bread or bananas or oranges, whatever it may be they were selling. They said, we don't have any money, but we can give you this. And so that's how we were We were able to eat um, if, we, if we ate at all. Um, mm. After what it felt like, I don't know, a year and a half, two years, I got rescued by a blind a couple that ran a blind school. And uh, they brought me in. They asked me what happened. I told them. They said, oh, I'm sorry. Yep. Um, you're not the only one, but we'll bring you in and uh, we will uh, 
teach you braille and after that hopefully you can go to school and then go to university and find a job so within sure. yeah within been there six months in the blind school learning learning uh, amharic braille not english braille but amharic braille i got tuberculosis and i was put in the hospital and that hospital is already full but one family came and got this kid so there was one spot left and previously a lady from the u.s was in that hospital looking for kids that needed homes and that was the kid that she was looking for home for but his relatives came and got him so there was a room for me so i took a spot and while i took his spot the lady came back from the u.s and she's like where did he go and the doctor told her oh his family members came and got him and but you should hear this kid's story. And they told her my story. Of course she cried. And she said that she would find me a, a home in America, which I had no idea. You know, I was before I was taken away from my family. I was a shepherd boy. So I watched cattle all day. And as a payment, I brought in a huge jug of milk to contribute to my mom. It was my, my dad went to fight in a war and never came back. He's, he's alive. He just kind of, I don't know, went to a different city and stayed there. So it was just my mom, my grandma and I. So back home as a boy, you learn how to, so as soon as you learn to walk, whether you're a boy or a girl, you start doing chores. So if you're a girl, you help out in the kitchen, go get firewood, go get water. If you're a boy, you start learning, you know, first you watch cattle. And then after that, you transition to, you know, learning how to plow the land. And then at that time, around 13 or 14, you get married and arrange marriage. You give a couple of chickens. Now it wouldn't be chickens, but it'd be like <laughs> go to sheep or a cow to the the female's family. And they say, sure, you know, you can have my daughter and you do the wow. traditional ceremony, you live together in a grass house and you start making children and you start your own process. So that's what I was, that was a shepherd boy. And, um, I was the way I was contributing to my mom for my mom and my grandma, my sister, where I was bringing, he was drugging milk to wash cattle. I didn't know. I never knew what America was because, like I said, I was a shepherd boy. We had no. We didn't go to school. We weren't educated. We just, you know, doing the tradition. And so when she told me, uh, you know, she's going to try to find me a family in America, I thought it was a small town in Ethiopia I never heard of. So I didn't, you know, I didn't. I had no idea. So I get out of the hospital mm -hmm. three months later, and I go to orphanage and I see these kids leaving, like these people from all parts of Europe come and take these kids and they would come back. But all I know, what I noticed was they always made, they always brought amazing chocolate. I was like, wow, man, I wonder what is my turn? Where, you know, and, uh, eventually yeah. I got a letter saying my parents, uh, chose me and they already adopted 10 kids. So I'll be number 11. And so then obviously early 1997, uh, we, there was nine of us going to different families in the U S we hopped on a plane, came here, and uh, I remember I never been on a plane before. So the turbulence, I thought that was the end of it. You know, the airplane's going mm -hmm. sideways. You know, dropping down fast. So the gap, this is it. They prepare us for slaughter, I guess. You know, and uh, right. obviously we made it. And then they, uh, during the flight, they they were going around. The stewardess was handing out a big old slice of cake and a two liter of coke. And after I had that, I was like, man, okay, this America place must be great. Right. And so, <laughs> um, and then, you know, I had to, so back home when you need, you need to go to the bathroom, you know, you kind of 
pull off to the side of this, you know, and do your business. And so we're on an airplane. I've never been in it. Number one, number two, I had to go pee after drinking that soda. And, you know, the lady I was bringing us was Susan. I was like, Susan, Susan, Shintibit, which means toilet. And, uh, she, she gets a stewardess and the stewardess takes me in and puts me in the bathroom. You know, obviously I can't see. So if I could see, I probably could see the pee mark on the toilet, whatever, but I couldn't. So I was like doing the pee pee dance. I'm like, Oh, maybe they do it like we do back home, except they do it in the closed room. And so I whip it out and pee on the floor and I come out and, uh, Susan's like, Oh, how did it go? And I was like, Oh, it was good. Right. And so, you know, we go on our (laughs) business and I go from, we went from, uh, Ethiopia to Germany, Germany to Chicago, Chicago to St. Louis. And from St. Louis, we drove to a small town in Ashland in Columbia, uh, near Columbia, Missouri. And there, the lady that helped me find out my family was there trying to, you know, tell them if he says intubated means bathroom. And so we had the same situation. I had to go to the bathroom again. And uh, my dad's like, oh, I'll take him. I'll take him. So he takes me, puts me in the bathroom. He does the same thing as a stewardess. He shuts the door behind, behind me. I was like, yeah, okay, yeah, this is the way they do it in America. They just they, they pee in the they go to the bathroom with a closed door. That's what it is. That's what I assume. So I whip it out, I pee on the floor again, and finally my dad opens the door. He's like, no, 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 no. Shit to bed, toilet, toilet. He grabs my hand, she has me a toilet bowl. I'm like, why are they making it complicated? It's so much easier just to pee out and open. Now you gotta aim. So Right. Wow. Uh, that was kind of the beginning of the culture shock. So then yeah, um, that was a little yeah, America's uh obviously Bigger than what I thought it was, and it wasn't in Ethiopia either. So, sure. Yeah. Wow, what a great just kind of narrative, and, and you know, just like you said, the the whole using a bathroom. I mean, just such a simple concept that people here take for granted, and yeah, you know, certain cultures how that how that changes, how that's all different. It's it's really something. And just rewinding a little bit more, I'm curious about the blind school you mentioned in Ethiopia and, and kind of learning Braille. And would you say, you know, that the blind schools over there, are they pretty good? Or how would you kind of rate your experience and kind of how they deal with blind individuals as far as helping them, teaching them? Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, I think it's harder there just because they don't have the resources and you don't get, you know, help from the government or anything like that. There's no SSI or anything like that. Um, usually what happens is if you're a blind individual, you know, you either take up space in your family's home and kind of sit and do nothing. Or if your family can't afford you, then you're in the streets begging on. Uh, and if you're at the blind school, it's really hard. Cause again, um, the resources are lacking. Um, I am a part of a nonprofit, uh, it's called door of hope. And we kind of get resources from here to there. Uh, and you know, it's, uh, it's important to me because, you know, obviously I know what life is like there and I would love it to become bigger. The issue that I have is, you know, everything is a damn politics and religious is a politics. And so I just, I just, cause my main thing is I was going to start it. I was just trying to figure out how to start by myself. And then a guy, another Ethiopian guy came to me and he's like, Hey, I'm trying to start one too. Let's do it together. Mm-hmm. But at that time I didn't speak Amharic that well. So it was really hard to follow along in the meetings. So as I, I am probably 93% we learn the language. I feel like it's more religious based, and I don't want it to be religious based cause I don't, I'm not that religious. I used to be back in the day, but 
you know, now I'm just like, I'm more spiritual. And so I don't want it to be a religious space. It should be everybody who needs help, you know? And so, you know, that part is hard, but it is what it is. We are the, not the door hope you know, ministry for the blind is helping out blind people back home. But I don't know. I think I just feel like to me, it feels like it's more like evangelical Christian blind people, or if not that, they're going to convert them and do that. And I don't want it to be like that. It's not, that's why I hate, sure. I hate mission work. I hate when people go, oh, I want to do a missionary. It's going to say, Oh, God gave you this money. So you should switch to whatever. I hate that. Like, it's not, it shouldn't be about that. If you really feel it in your heart, you shouldn't be trying to convert into religion, whether if they're, they believe in Islam or Orthodox Christian or evangelism or whatever it may be. It shouldn't be about that. It should be about you trying to help the people no matter what the religion is. So, so it is, it's really hard to answer your question. I'm ranting kind of passionate about that because I hate, again, like people say, religion is not politics. It is politics. Don't, you know, don't get me started on that crap. But um, right. so the resource, there's not, there are not enough resources like there are here. Uh, we are spoiled. Uh, I mean, I, I couldn't believe it. Like my university was paid by DVR. You know, half of it was the other half was scholarships. But you know, sure. you know school. I think school is free there. Like you know, go to university. I think it's free. But again, you know, it's uh, it's hard to get jobs. Obviously, it's worse than here, obviously. But even able-bodied people, whatever the terminologies, don't even have jobs, and they got master's degrees and doctor's degrees. You know, so. So it's mm-hmm. uh it's tough. Uh, there's not that many activities or resources there. Um, so um, again, uh, it's a blessing to be here. I know a few other blind people from back home, and I'm like, how the hell did you guys get here? I, you know, I got to hop on a plane to get here. What'd you guys do? Hop on a donkey or a, <laughs> a whale or a shark? What? The, how'd you guys get here? You know. So I'm proud yeah. of those people because I know how hard it is. Like like I said, I got help to, you know, get to get, help me become successful. But, you know, they, they came here literally blindly, honestly, you know what I'm saying? Right, and right. to see them, to see them succeed, it makes me proud because I know what obstacle they had to go through. So no doubt. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so, and uh, just talk to me a little more about, you know, adjusting to the U S obviously you mentioned moving to Missouri and I know, I think you were around, was it age 10 when you came to the yeah, States? Yeah, 9, 10, uh, no, somewhere around there. Yeah, uh, it was really hard. I mean, I remember people touching my hair. I remember like starting school was like, more, like after spring break. And then I started in third grade. I remember going to school and people were touching my hair. I'm like, what the hell is going on? Like, why are they touching my hair? <laughs> Obviously, I got that kinky hair. And, you know, and I was at that time, I was the only black kid in school. <laughs> so... Uh, and I was confused and I touched her hair and it's all beautifully smooth. I'm like, what the heck? I was like, how did you guys get yours that way? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> uh, but I realized later on, oh, that's your natural beauty. All right, cool, cool. But, um, so it was, it was hard. Another funny story, uh, talking about like just a cultural, uh, adjustment. I remember we came in after PE in fourth grade and I hear people peeing on the wall. Right. And they had one of the stupid urinals that are like, on the floor against the wall. I don't know if you know those yeah. or not, but yeah. Anyway, yeah. Yeah. And like, touching the ground. Yeah. yeah. And everybody's <laughs> like, I hear him peeing on the wall. I'm like, wow, this is interesting. Not that people say you have to pee in the toilet. Right. So I'm in the middle of the floor. I'm like, okay, whatever. So I start, I start peeing on the floor. Right. And this kid named Michael Rogers, like, he's like Miss Fountain, Miss Fountain, Ethan's peeing on the floor. And then she made him clean it up. And then, uh, 
the good thing about for me, I had, you know, 24 brothers and sisters from all over the world. So a lot of us were in the same grade and classes or whatever. And so my brother Vani is like, yo, bro, you have to pee in the toilet. I'm like, but I heard everybody else peeing on the floor. Like, you know, there's a, <laughs> like, there's a urinal on the floor. I'm like, Oh, okay. My bad. You know? So, so just growing up, I mean, it was, it was rough. You know, I think what helped me the most was I probably just having brothers and sisters from all over. And we all, a lot of us were in the same class and, uh, we were able to stick together and have the same friends, but, um, yeah, I would say definitely the first five years was hard. And of course, uh, my parents had to fight to get me braille teacher and braille instructions and mobility instructions and the school wasn't going to provide it. And they did the same thing for my sister that was in a wheelchair. They weren't going to build a ramp for my sister to go into classes and go into her band and all that stuff. So, um, it was definitely a rough start. Um, I, had the most amazing ESL teacher. Well, a lot of uh, my brothers and sisters had her and I'm still friends with her today. On Wednesdays we had treat day. So she always, she introduced me to cheesecake and that is my favorite cake. Um, <laughs> and, yep. uh, and then I had the most uh, amazing third grade teacher, Miss Fountain. And then I had amazing eighth grade and ninth grade uh, math teachers. They just, you know, over and over and beyond, you know, just try to make sure, they did whatever they could to make sure I understood what they were trying to do. You know, she'll bring in yarn to make shapes, to make sure I understand, you know, trapezoid this and obtuse angle, all that boring crap I can care less about. And of course, Y plus Z equals whatever. I'm like, what? We're using alphabet now to do math? This is ridiculous. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, so I, I had amazing teachers uh, to help me. Uh, Succeed. I was definitely not the smartest kid on the block. I mean, you know, obviously when you're going to public school, you get your books three months later. And, uh, so you're always behind. And I also had a, a pair, I guess, what do you call her? She was amazing. Uh, she did whatever she could to make sure, you know, keep me in tune with the classes and read me the boring ass textbooks, you know? <laughs> and then if I fall asleep, I'm like, can you read that? I guess She's like, sure. You know, she did whatever she could. So, uh, shout out to her. Um, so yeah, it was rough, but you know, we graduated high school. Yep. Yep. Yeah, nice. So. And you did go into college, right? Yep. Uh, my parents tried to get me to go to the university of Missouri, but I was too close to home. I didn't want them to show up to campus and I'd be, you know, chugging a beer and them swatting out of my hand. But we didn't race you like that, you know, cause they're <laughs> old fashioned. So I was like, if you want to see me, you're going to come to university of Boulder. And so, um, I actually took a year off to get in state residency because my Missouri DVR wasn't going to pay for it. They weren't going to pay out of state. They were, but they're going to pay like in-state rates, which wasn't going to cover the out-of-state tuition for CU Boulder. So um, I took a year off to get in state residency and then uh, started at CU Boulder in 2007 and transferred to Metro, Metro State University because I'm back home for the first time and depression caught me and never went to class. And so I failed the semester and so I had to transfer and, you know, and then finished up at Metro state university, which is in downtown Denver. Gotcha. And what's your degree in? Oh, it was going to be journalism, but hmm. ended up being in speech and communications and broadcast performance and a minor in sports coaching. Oh, nice. Yeah. Nice combo. Yeah. I wish. Okay. I mean, I, I tried to coach a, uh, fifth grade basketball team at the YMCA. I filled out the application and I even had a sighted assistant coach that I had, you know, cause I know what they're going to say. 
So I had it all prepared out. Oh yeah, Mr. Johnson, we'll call you. No call. I was, yep. I, I was, I was so excited too. Like I really was. I mean, I don't know how it would have turned out. Cause like, I understand, you know, I am a blind dude. And so if somebody lands on their head. I won't know what happened. So that's why I was already knew how to prepare for that. You know, obviously you have to have a sided assistant coach. I'll, you know, draw up the plays and whatever. And the coach will tell me what they're doing, whatever it may be, but the YMC wasn't having it. So it's kind of a waste of a degree to be honest, but it is what it is. Right. Right. Got you. Yeah. And then uh, before we get into sports, just as far as your career or anything you want to mention as far as work you've done. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I went from washing dishes at the federal building to working for a social security administration. I've been there eight years. Um, it's a, a blessing, obviously, if you had told me back in the day when I was in the street making change, uh, earning change, whatever, and you tell me I'd be one of the best countries that's full of opportunities. I'm not going to go anywhere else. And, you know, I have a four-bedroom house and a great job and be a spoiled brat and buy whatever technology I want. I would have been like, what? Maybe my next lifetime, you know? Um, so it's... Uh, yeah, it's a blessing for sure. Um, that's my first real job, and I'm thankful for it. But I'm uh, I'm hungry and uh, eager to move on to better things with other opportunities for sure. Awesome. Definitely wish you the best on that front. And yeah, like you said, I keep thinking of Slumdog Millionaire. And just yeah. kind of that whole rags to riches. I mean, it, it just shows, you know, you're in the right situation and you have the right support system around you. You can really achieve anything. 100%. Yeah, for sure. And I'm obviously you have to want it because you can't just sit there and say, poor me, why me type of thing. You got to obviously have to be surrounded by good supporting cast, good friends, because there are always going to be negative Nancy's everywhere. And uh, yep. you got to filter those out. And there's always going to be jealous people also. And you got to filter them out because, again, like, I understand if I was sitting there and somebody's like, Hey, here's a million dollars. I would understand. I'd be jealous too. But you know, I was, and I was getting up early in the morning and negative, negative 18 degree weather with, uh, whatever, four, six, seven, eight inches of snow because they shovel the sidewalk, uh, the street into the sidewalk. So I was stomping through the snow, mm-hmm. bouncing off poles, you know, trying to catch the train spending six, seven hours at Starbucks, you know, trying to find jobs or beating people's ankles on the train purposely or non-purposely so I can talk to them, see what they do. Uh, right. That's all it took, you know. Uh, it wasn't just like, hey, give me a job or give me a million dollars and so I can just be a spoiled brat. It's not like that. So I, you know, wanting it won't get it for you. You have to go get it for sure. Absolutely. Great yeah. motto. Yeah. yeah. So then, uh, as far as sports athletics, so I think you had mentioned you did run a little bit in, in high school. Yeah. So in fourth grade, I wanted to be a basketball player. And then as I learned English, I figured out, Oh, there's not, cause I was a huge Shaq fan. Shout out to Shaq. Cause he has his shoes at Walmart and I had yep. his shoes on and kids would be asking, you know who Shaq is? I'm like, no. And one day, we had, you know, one of those regular TV with no cable. Also, and always on ABC or CBS. So, be the Lakers and Spurs or Lakers and Sacramento playing and or the Blazers too. And I was here. That time it was, uh, come on. Oh, what's his name? Damn it. He's an amazing broadcast. He does like 
golf. He does. Uh, oh my oh, gosh! I think <laughs> I, I hear his voice because like he did a, a call against the Lakers were down fourteen against uh, Portland Trailblazers in the playoffs, and uh, Lakers came back and beat him to go to Game Seven, and uh, it was an alley oop from Kobe to Shaq, and yeah, you can hear I hear his voice right now. To Shaq. And then you hear the crowd go wild as he slams it. He's from Missouri or he lives in Missouri. That's what they said, which I didn't even know that. Um, oh, Bob Costas. Probably, yes, yeah. Yes, yeah, Bob to me. Costas, <laughs> How exactly. could I forget Bob Costas? <laughs> I didn't know he was Missouri, man. Yeah, he is really good. Yeah, uh, him. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, yeah, then uh, I wanted to be a sports broadcaster and mm-hmm. I figured well, to be that you have to be sided. So the best thing, next best thing is to be like a co-commentator. And so I honestly had a tape recorder. I record myself doing like many different interviews. I'd be like, Oh, so whatever, you know, the kids that were at my school that were in the basketball, varsity basketball team, like, Hey, what's up chase up today? Uh, you guys are matching up with Harrisburg. Who's our, one of our worst, um, rivalries, whatever. And then I, I'll do the voices, whatever, you know? <laughs> so, right. um, and then obviously I ran, but I played soccer actually. Um, again, the benefits of having a million brothers and sisters, y'all was on the same team. So I had 14 eye surgery, so I can see light and color and our soccer games are always early in the morning. So it's a bright sunny day and then a white ball and a green grass is perfect combination. And yep. I always was a fullback. And so uh, I'll be a fullback either with one of my brothers and well, one of my brothers will be the goalie. So like, Oh, Ethan ball on the right. And if I see the white ball, I'll go chase after and slide tackle somebody, whatever it may be. And I was good enough to be recruited for the varsity team in high school. And I was like, nah, I, uh, I didn't want to make a fool of myself. You know, you go to different schools, you can get used to your field. And plus the games are going to be at nighttime. And so I didn't want to be like kicking the ball out of bounds, thinking I kick it to the other side of the field and be like, what? Is that guy blind or what? Why did he do that? You know, I'd be celebrating because I'm a celebrator. So I didn't, I stopped that. And then of course, yeah, when I said I ran, it was more, you know, PE. you got to do like the mile test, whatever it may be. And so it was during that time and um, I would run without a guide. And usually if it's indoors, I, I have my hand like on the wall. And then the bleachers, you know, as you, cause it's a square, whatever, if we're running in the gym outside, I ran with somebody kind of telling me up yeah, a little bit left, a little bit left. I did a few uh, flips over a, a wheelbarrow full of, full of dirt. Cause they were fixing the football field and uh, soccer field in the football field in the middle of the track. And uh, those are mm-hmm. fun, you know, but yep. that's a good thing. Cause you didn't expect it. So you probably, I did, it was a perfect flip. If you were expecting it, then you kind of like you tense up. I didn't tense up cause I didn't expect it. So you just flip and got back up and keep going. Right. But, right. um, yeah. And then I obviously ran with proper tools when I moved to Colorado, I went to a, uh, a uh, accessibility sports event at the university of Boulder and this lady named Deb Conley who makes tethers for racing and stuff for the Paralympic athletes and stuff. And she, at that time I was in a beautiful shape. I mean, I, you know, I was in great shape. I was, I was thin, you know, I had a four and a half pack <laughs> yep, yep. and uh, she's like, uh, you know, where are you from? I was like, Ethiopia. So like, Oh, you must love to run. I'm like, hell no, I hate running. I'm like, no, you love it. No, I don't. 
<laughs> so she's like, you know, I uh, help put races together for uh, people with disabilities. I would love you. I love for you to join us. Join me. I'm like, sure, whatever. And so there's a huge race here in Colorado called the Cherry Creek Sneak. They do it in April. And um, so she dragged my ass out there. And so the first two miles is a 5K. The first two miles are great. Great pace. I'm feeling good. Oh, man. The last mile and a half or whatever it was, I was out of gas. That's, I was, that's always been my problem. Like, I go out mm. too fast and... She seriously, she's like a skinny lady. She carried me on her back <laughs> wow. to the finish line. I was like, oof, I realized I was like, man, I, I wasn't in a great shape as I, I thought as I was. And so she got me going into running. I did Achilles a lot, you know, I try to run twice a twice a week. And then I did the Boulder Boulder. That's another huge race. I think it's like number one or number two uh biggest race in the US. And I did that's you know, a 10K. That was amazing mm -hmm. just because, you know, usually it's between Ethiopia and Kenya, uh, professional runners, as far as like, you know, one and two. And so obviously the stadium's full and you get to run, you know, a few of my friends had houses on the path. So you get to run, you know, past their house and they train you on with the flag and stuff. And so that was amazing. And then I had an opportunity to do track. Um, I, again, the same lady got me to do, uh, it's like a trial thing in Boulder track. And, uh, she had me out there and she's like, yeah, I think you, I think you were spurring and blah, blah, blah. So we did the 100, 200, 400 and the 1500, man. I mean, like, mm. sure. It was good. I did good. But you know, I was again, the problem with that is like when you don't, you're faster, faster than your guide, it's a problem. So that right. led me to have an opportunity to race at, uh, I think USC or UCLA, one of those places there. And I did good again, except I didn't qualify because my I went out of out of out of the lane. Um, mm. And then that gave me an opportunity to go train at the Paralympic Center, and of course. You know, and the, the great blind athletes are there. The other people are there in San Diego, and so we trained there for a week. I mean, it was an incredible feeling, honestly. And wow. you know, during that time, you know, I was trying to. The coach gave me a training plan, worked out six, six days a week, blah, blah, blah. I didn't have a job. So that was possible. Then, you know, social security called at that time. And, uh, I said, you know what, me trying to get gold medals. I'm not going to help my mom back home. I got to get cash. So I closed the door on that. Right. Here we are today. Yep. Yep. Mm -hmm. And uh, so then transitioning on to beat baseball. So just talk to me about how you were introduced to beat baseball and what was it about the sport that kind of, you know, got your, your engine going. For sure. Yeah. I mean, as you know, a lot of blind people, when you go to public school, when you join P, you kind of get the easy A because obviously they don't take a liability if you get hurt, whatever. But honestly, I'll give credit to all my PE coaches. None of them told me to sit down. Hey, Ethan, this is not for you. You're going to get hurt. They always had me participate, whatever, whether it be dodgeball, wolf ball, hockey, uh, crab ball. What's that? What's a sport where you on your butt and sliding around, kicking a big old uh, exercise ball looking thing. Is that called crab ball? Uh, I think so. Yeah. I think so. Yeah. But I mean, I participate in everything like dodgeball wise. They'd be like, you cannot hit Ethan, but if he hits you, you're out. Or if you catch his ball, he's out. 
That's it. So, you know, my friends will line me up to people they don't like. They aim me from half court and I just launch it. Oh, yeah, you got him. You know, <laughs> <laughs> uh, whether it be basketball, then, you know, uh, I usually just play with my friend, you know, one on one and work on my game a little bit. Um, uh, wolf a ball. You know, sometimes I'll pitch it to me. Sometimes I'll put it on the cone and hit it. And whoever's at first, like, right here, right here, right here. And, um, you know, I run that way. Um, and of course, having a million brothers and sisters, I also, we had 10 acres in Missouri. So we had plenty of field to play all the sports. I mean, so, and they never, they never said, hey, bro, you can't see, you can't play with us. I always, was able to play with them. And, and so when I found about beatball and as you know, like, I was kind of questioning it, to be honest. I was like, huh, how does that work? Cause I know how real baseball works. You know, you're trying to strike out somebody. How do you know when the ball is coming? I, I do play video games and, the old video games when you play baseball has like sound when they throw in the ball. It's like, you can kind of time it. Um, and then with football, again, as long as you know the sport, you can kind of push a button and get away with it. You know, uh, as long as you get into the game. And so I was just very questioning it. Um, I'd like to give a shout out to my agent, Demetrius Morrow. He's the one, uh, when he lived in Colorado in 2000, seven he's like hey you want to join a blind baseball team like a blind baseball team he's like yeah you should come check it out so sunday we usually have we usually have sunday practice from usually it's like from like uh and uh two and so you know i hopped on the bus with him and it was like an hour and a half bus ride and i went out there with my kobe Bryant number eight jersey rest in peace oh yeah Nope. And, uh, you know, white shorts and just basketball shoes. <laughs> and I got out there and, you know, I see these guys just running full out, smashing the balls. Like, oh, okay. And I get up there and I'd be listening to the beep. So I kept missing. And finally shout nope. out to, uh, my former and current pitcher, Johnny Walker. He's like, don't listen to the ball. Listen to me. And so, you know, Saturday ball and he said, boy, I smashed it. And, you know, run. I'm like, I ran at first, of course I was hesitant, you know, cause then, you know, as a blind person, the first thing is like, Oh, what's in the way? I'm going to run into something. But uh, right. after right. a few times I figured it out. So I took off and I was so excited to have me on the team. And, uh, you know, 2007, I was supposed to go, but I had other events before I even joined the team. So I couldn't go, but I made my debut in 2008 in Houston, Texas, hotter than hell. And yeah. what, I, what I remember about that year, that World Series tournament. In Kansas, I did good. I got like the Rookie of the Year, whatever, maybe that award. For the, there's an award they have there, and I got that. Um, but the World Series, man, I, you know, a bunch of great bond athletes, and we got our asses whooped. I think we might have gotten eighth place, but I just remember Houston at that time, and they just launch it everywhere and so houston beating our ass and of course the west coast dogs were there they were beating on our ass i was like man you thought you know i was a hot <laughs> then you see these blind people just whooping whooping us and i was like okay that's real deal and so the rest is history man you know uh this is uh what is it my 14th year i took a year off a couple of years ago but yeah, I think this is my 14th year. Um, I played for Colorado most of my career for like 11 years, and then that team died, unfortunately. And I joined the Edge for a year, and then uh, 
I had the opportunity to play for my home state team. And, you know, uh, we had a rough year last year, you know, I think the expectations were high and we definitely, uh, mission failed. And, you know, that's what happens when you, uh, underestimate few teams, you know, uh, just like any sport, you think you got that team and they come and punch you in your mouth and you try to punch back, but it's too late, you know? So, um, but no, the, the archers are a great organization and, um, the general manager, the commissioner, the, the owner, the sponsors, everybody's in and they're really motivated to win. And, uh, you know, it should be an exciting year for sure this year. Definitely. Yeah. And just wanted to give a shout out also to Mind's Eye Radio, Mind's Eye Adaptive Sports. Uh, they've been super supportive of this podcast, airing it on their, their channel there. Uh, so really appreciate that. And just talks me a little more about, you know, kind of representing, like you said, your home state of Missouri uh, to put on that Archer's jersey. What does that mean to you? It means a lot. Again, I, I, I you know, I grew up rooting for the St. Louis Cardinals and then at that time, the St. Louis Rams and, of course, the Missouri Tigers and all that. And so for them to be in St. Louis, a blind baseball team. And honestly, <laughs> I wanted to join them the first year uh, before I joined the Edge. But I'm like, ah, we only, we only take, you know, homegrown people. I'm like, damn it, you know. And then second year, second time, <laughs> and I was like, they said, you can join. I'm like, all right. And then of course my agent, Demetrius Morrow, he, he's from there and his family's there. And so he mentioned it to me. And then of course, uh, my boy Lul, he's also, uh, another Ethiopian, uh, brother of mine who got adopted and actually we grew up in the same state for 20, whatever years. We didn't even know each other. We existed, honestly. <laughs> We went from the wow. same adoption agency, but like, you know, he, he lived there. I lived in like near Columbia. He lived in St. Louis this whole time, but, uh, we met for the first time two years ago. Yeah. Um, mm. friend of ours, like I was telling you another, you know, another blind person from Ethiopia made it here and she's like, yeah, oh, I know somebody like you, which means when they say, I know somebody like you, that means they speak, you know, they don't have an accent. And they're adopted and they're Ethiopian. So that's what that means. So like, what you mean? She's like, yeah, he's adopted. He's Ethiopian. He talks like him. Like, no way. And, uh, you know, he's definitely a close brother of mine. And so that was also another exciting part of, uh, the archers. I'm like, you know what, to, you know, to have one of my brothers from the motherland be on the same team. And, you know, he knows what life's like back home. And so, you know, he's always, he's a happy guy. He's always smiling, yep. whatever. And, um, and of course, and the rest of the archers and of course, again, the coaches, um, general managers, all those, they're, they're just, they're really excited to have adoptive, adaptive sports in Missouri. I mean, uh, they got started with goalball and now soccer in the future. I can't wait to that starts. Um, of course, beatball, they got hockey and they're doing it all. So it's an amazing organization and a hungry organization ready to do uh, great things uh, in the future absolutely yeah honestly it's like love to move to the st louis area just because of all the stuff they've really started just in the last few years and yeah. everything they've got going on with blind sports they're really motivated for sure no doubt yeah so a little more on beatball so talk to me about uh you know defensively what positions have you played on the field where do you feel most confident out there uh defensively most of my career i played shortstop but 
played a little bit of second base. And then this past year with the archers, I played mid left for the most part. And then they switched me back to short. Um, but you know, beat ball is about communication and, you know, uh, kind of having a feel for the rest of your teammates, you know, making sure that you don't over overrun your lanes and run into somebody and they don't overrun your lane and hit you, whatever. So I think that's just a lot of communications, of course, the spotters, but at the same time, you know, everything's not on the spotters. Also it's on the players. You have to know where you are and also be able to listen to the ball. So, I mean, I, I can play anywhere for the most part, but yeah, most of my career, I played shortstop. Right. Right. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, offensively, just talk to me about your approach at the plate and would you consider yourself a pretty, pretty good power hitter? How do you kind of describe your, you know, your talents at the plate? Uh, offensively, I mean, I, back in the day, I try to use my speed. Now I Yo. think, uh, whatever they call it, daddy power, daddy, whatever, daddy time catches up with you. I'm not like Tom Brady. <laughs> Um, right. so I'm, I'm okay at speed. I'm not the fastest anymore. Like I'm, I never was the fastest, but I was always, you know, one of the fastest, but is younger kids. It's like any sport, younger, faster, and stronger. <laughs> no Come up behind you. So, uh, I would yep. say not a power hitter. I'm a, just an average hitter. I mean, I was an all-star this past year. And again, I mean, honestly, it's just having a consistent swing uh walker and i way go, we go way back that's what i started my career with and like i don't know uh i don't know like i want i don't want to say my dad but like just like a you know just a, a great friend like a good friend and always you know they're great advice um you know uh loves loves the sport and he's just doesn't matter he loves to joke i mean i remember a lot of times you know we'll be in line walking through somewhere bunch of blind people you know the blind train and he'll squat down like oh going down the stairs and you get the whole train going oh shuffling their feet you know <laughs> and he's he's that type of guy he doesn't care he loves to play and uh he loves the sport and he loves to dedicate his time to the sport and uh, you know if it's not his team he's always helping out other teams and i remember he had to drive he drove two hours one way to come to practice every sunday uh, mm-hmm. here in Colorado and then drive back. And a lot of times he'll drop somebody off at their apartment, whatever it may be. He's just, uh, if this heaven thing is real, he better have a spot, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, no, awesome. uh, so yeah, honestly, I would say I'm an average hitter. You know, I'm not going to be like, I'm the greatest power hitter. No, that's not me. I'm at least have somebody put me out versus me striking out and just giving away free outs. So, right. Gotcha. And uh, any specific goals, you know, personal goals, team goals within B baseball? Definitely. I mean, personal goals, nah, not really. It's more at this point, like in my career, I don't care about the personal goals, to be honest, uh, just because I've been there, done that. Um, I think as far as the team goals, I, I want everybody, my teammates to do well, you know, uh, from one through whatever we have, 16, 17, 18. And I want everybody to get an opportunity. I want everybody to have a positive experience. And uh, hopefully we can hop up from 13 to hopefully top five. Not be 13. I guess that's the main goal. But my like, our team goal, I would say at least hopefully top five. That'd be a good for pro- sure. progress. Yep. And hey, I mean, I give the Gateway Archers so much credit. Just in a couple of years here, they've really oh, for sure. positioned themselves as one of the, the best teams. Yeah, no, for sure. Definitely. We're, we're, we should be pretty competitive. We just need to 
take one team at a time and take that team as, you know, not doesn't matter if they're 16th ranked or 20th ranked, take them serious and hopefully stomp them. If not, you know, beat them, at least get a win. That's all that matters. And so it doesn't matter how many, you win, uh, how many you win by, as long as you win, move on to the next level. So yeah, definitely. Uh, should be an exciting year. You know, uh, Mark is a good pickup, great pickup. I should say speed anytime. I know when I played against him, I always pressured because I mean, doesn't matter. I just put the ball in play. And it's like a race to the ball before it gets to the base, you know? And so now he's doing some off season workout and, uh, hopefully the power and the speed and we'll see how it goes for sure. So yeah, it's a, uh, it's going to be a good season. No doubt. Yep. I know you did mention, uh, you know, blind hockey, uh, goal ball, other things that, uh, that mind's eyes really kind of putting together and in your case any sports you'd like to try or maybe have tried but just haven't had the chance to pursue that you know in terms of adaptive sports to be honest i'm not a go ball fan i just feel like a bullying pen but you know i'm not taking shots <laughs> at nobody sure, uh, sure. i want to try soccer i you know i always played soccer back in the day i mean back home we played soccer you know we made soccer out of milk bags that with trash and paper and you know tied up with a rope and that's what we used for soccer and so uh, I always played soccer and so I would love to try that and see how that goes. Um, suppose I was kind of pissed off cause, uh, they chose the USA team and I, I actually personally talked to the coach, the uh, USA soccer coach. He's based out of Ohio and I want to, I thought I want to join the team, blah, blah, blah. But then I guess I found out later on from the source that only you have to be hundred percent blind to be on the team, which is fine. That's cool. Whatever. But, uh, yeah, I want to try out soccer. That's uh, that'd be exciting. Nice. Yeah, yeah, I know it's definitely growing. I've had a couple of guests on, you know, involved in in blind soccer, and it's really starting to take off here in the U.S. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's going to be exciting. Then twenty twenty six or whatever twenty twenty eight twenty twenty six. Yeah, twenty eight. I think they're looking at the the Paralympics. Hopefully, you know, have a team. That's the goal. Yeah. When's the World Cup though? Is it in twenty twenty six? Uh, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's so is the Paralympic and the world cup in a different year then? I believe so. Okay. Yeah. Uh, gotcha. Cause okay. yeah, we just had the world cup in 22 yeah. less whatever December yeah. was kind of an odd time, but yeah. Yeah. I yeah. Think they do stagger that. And yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So we'll see what happens. Um, that'd be cool though. Honestly, like take beat ball from like, I mean, there's a lot of blind people back home and, they got soccer, but I can remember that soccer ball is like a goal ball. Honestly, that's what I think it might've been a goal ball. I mean, cause I remember how tough it was. And so I know how tough a goal ball is. So I like to start soccer there and also beatball there. I mean, cause it, you know, adaptive sports is amazing what it does for your confidence. So I used to be shy back in the day, believe it or not. Wow. And so <laughs> sports and music, uh, made me who I am today, to be honest, you know, uh, just being able to compete and whether it be adoptive sports or just, you know, running five K's and 10 K's and, you know, um, it's crazy. So, right. Right. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, just wrapping up here, any kind of social media, anything you want to mention if people want to, to learn more, you know, about you out there. I know there's some stuff on YouTube. Yeah. No, nah, I mean, I honestly, <laughs> I try to stay low. Um, I mean, I do have, you know, it's Twitter, but I don't really tweet. Uh, I more 
watch or read stuff. Um, no, nah, I don't really. Uh, I don't really have that kind of thing, to be honest. Gotcha. Hey, understandable. It's yeah. going to be crazy out there. So. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> Again, we've been chatting with Ethan Johnston here on Eyes Free Sports. And uh, Ethan... Really appreciate the time. Just again, blown away by your story and everything you've overcome adversity-wise in your life. Thanks so much for taking the time to join us here on the podcast. Appreciate you having me, and uh, thank you. And I'll continue to listen. I know it's a great podcast. I had lesson. I uh, had uh, a lot of great athletes. So definitely uh, appreciate you having me on. Awesome. Alrighty, sounds good. Be sure to follow the Eyes Free Sports podcast at facebook.com slash eyesfreesports and on Twitter at eyesfreesports.com.